Hey guys, I'm Chris. And I'm Mike. And welcome back to No Limits, the Mitrap Podcast. How you doing today, Mike? I am good based on all the content that we have just pushed out over on No Limits, the Brad Thor podcast or the Scott Harvath podcast. But today we are here to tell you a little bit about what's coming back on the Mitrap podcast and the No Limits podcast. There's a lot in store the next few months, Chris. Yes, there is. It's uh, it's quite a doozy. You, you like to pack the reading list and... <laughs> You know, not only have we put out or will be putting out both part one and part two of Deadfall, as well as our interview with Brad Thor, which at the end of this, you're going to get a little sneak peek to wet your whistle. So that way you can go check that out on a season two of No Limits. We also covered All the Sinners Bleed by uh, S.A. Cosby, Sean Cosby. Great, great novel. Highly recommend you go check that out. But yeah, we we have a jam pack like Going, should I just go through it right now to tell all the listeners what, what we're going to be reading? Yeah, let's just let everyone know, although we are back here on the Mitrap podcast, it's really just like Chris said to wet your whistle. We are not going to have Code Red out until mid-September with an interview with Kyle Mills. After September, we're definitely getting into some of the Don Bentley work, looking ahead to 2024 and his first Mitrap novel. So while a lot of things are coming down the pike on the Mitrap podcast, we definitely wanted to give this little preview to tell you about our other podcast feeds and all the books coming the next few months. So look forward to Code Red in September, but we don't want you to miss out on all the other books. So, Chris, tell them, what are we going to be covering in the next couple of months? So one thing that will be coming to this feed is Fate. We've been talking about as a sending away for Kyle Mills. We're going to read Fate, talk about it. We'll post it on this feed. We'll probably post it on both this feed and the the No Limits Thriller podcast feed. In addition to that, we're doing Lethal Range, Ryan Steck. Ryan Steck. Probably we should put on this this feed as well because it's, uh, you know, the real book spy. The real book spy and the original uh, Mitrap fan. Or uh, what was his account? The uh, Was it just Mitrap fan? I think he it was. Them. Yeah. We're going to be covering Lethal Range, his second book in the Maddie Red series. Chris, I already started it. I'm about halfway through. It is awesome. I have to say, I, I think it's better than his debut book. And mm, we found okay. we found out second books are really hard. You know, a lot of the series we read, the second book is sometimes struggles to hold up to the debut book. Not the case here, Maddie Red. I'm really enjoying Lethal Range. We also have a giveaway. So look forward to that on our socials. We're going to give away. The first book, Fields of Fire, Fields of Fire. We have two copies of that. So anybody who hasn't gotten into Ryan's books, the original Mitrap, you know, big Mitrap fan and social media presence, and now the real book spy, we're going to give away his first book. And we encourage you to pick up his second book, which we'll be covering on the Thriller podcast. Our first interview with Ryan was here on the Mitrap pod. But since we've grown, we're going to have our next interview with him covering Lethal Range book two over on the Thriller podcast. So we also have Moscow X, the McCloskey's follow-up. I'm very excited for that one. That's been sitting on my shelf for a while, and I've been wanting to dive into that one. Yeah, we got an early copy of that, and I cannot wait. It's just I don't think that's released until late, mid-late September. So we're gonna we're gonna cover some Mitrap first with Code Red before we get to Moscow X. But yeah, his first book, Damascus Station, was lights out. I'm definitely ready for a follow-up to that one. Another Russia book. Moscow. Another Russia book. Yeah. 
Then we got Target Acquired. Excited to dive into that one. That will be here on the Mitrap Pod. We got Sons of Valor 3. Should I follow up my streak of not showing up for that pod? (laughs) (laughs) You always flake on Andrews and Wilson, dude. And like our audience, you absolutely should not flake on them. They are... I don't want to say the next best thing in thrillers because they are currently, you know, the best thing going in thrillers. I got to be honest with you. They, they're lights out. Did you ever get around to Sons of Valor one and two? No, I haven't. So I, I'll oh. just dive right into three. Dude, you can. I, I think you'll be able to. The way number two was so damn good. I think you could jump right in. You're going to miss a lot, though, because the first two are incredible. But, dude, speaking of Andrews and Wilson, they have another book they just released kind of like an independent one not related the sandbox have you heard about this one no i'm not apparently it's real creepy it's like some ai stuff it's a little bit of ai it sounds sci-fi i think like horror people are really really posting one how good it is but two how disturbing it is so I feel like Andrews and Wilson and they've got Clancy books coming out. You know, they were just contracted to jump into the Clancy verse. So we might have to catch up with the sandbox. People are talking. Now, about. Do you think that's because Don Bentley's exiting? Oh, I don't know. That's a good point. I, I feel like the announcements and the timing of it was pretty close within a few weeks of hearing that news. I guess that's possible. Although yeah, I, I, could be. I think Don Bentley down the road is going to try to keep things going over there. Okay. But I don't He's know how to do, do that. The, the, the three story. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know because we also have the Matt Drake stuff. Yeah. Is he going to drop Matt Drake and just focus on Mitch Rapp? Well, guess what? We're going to have a chance to ask him. <laughs> yeah, we are. We are. <laughs> I think, I think we're going to give Kyle his time though with fade and code red. So we'll definitely yeah. bring Kyle on and we'll definitely look forward to having Don on in October, November or something like that. Definitely, definitely. Want to get into Assassin's Mark, our OG, OG author. Ward Larson. Ward Larson. I love David Slayton, the Assassin series. I don't think this is one you you gotten into. You, you no, read I've, one or two I've, of them. I've read like one or two of them, but the ones I have read are very good. I yeah, really enjoyed them. They're really good. And he even had a uh, deep fake, deep fake. His standalone fake was very la- good. Last year was incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you have one here. I have no idea what it is. The outside man. That's Matt Drake. That's uh, Don Bentley. Oh, okay, okay. I think See, that's book two. I, I need to. I need to do a little more research on on Don Bentley as he's going to be our one of our featured authors on on this feed. So yeah, you and me both. I, I've only read what was the first one we covered. The first without Matt Drake? sanction. Without sanction. So very good. I like that novel. A lot, oh, dude, so. that novel was really good and it was different i really it was liked different it. i liked how it was different. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're gonna have an author who's doing something a little different okay the outside man was only published in 2021 so all the matt drake stuff is rather it's recent pretty new. yeah yeah so yeah I, I definitely think we should right before or right as we interview don have done one of his clancy verse books which is target acquired and also at least a couple in the matt drake series so that we know a little bit about his style and his versatility, you know, how right. he's doing his own character and also someone else's character, because when he comes to Mitch Rapp, we want to see him blend those two things like Kyle did the right. same way exactly. Kyle put his own stamp on the series, but he only did so after proving he had the chops to stand up to do a Vince Flynn, yeah, to yeah. do a Vince Flynn book exactly with the survivor. So it'd be really great to read how Don has done both those things in the past 
and we hope he'll continue to do it with this series. And after taking three months off from Brad <laughs> Thorne, sorry, Brad, we, you know, we did, we did a uh, full black and deadfall like pretty close together. So, you know, we, yeah. we, we caught up, but yeah, we're going to come back, keep, keep chugging along season two, Scott Harvath podcast with the blacklist in December. So that'll cap off your new year's your ring, the ring 2024 in with blacklist. Yeah. If we, if we stick to this list, this is an aggressive Which, list. I think we can do it. I think we can do it. This is going to be tough. You know what would definitely help us do it? If we knew that all you guys, the original OG Mitch rap pod listeners were subscribed and following along with us on the other two feeds, check the links in the show notes below. We would definitely love to see you over there, hear you on social media, chatting about more than just Mitch rap. There's so many thrillers out there. We're barely scratching the surface, but Chris, I think it's important. We came here on the feed to give the folks a, a little taste of our end of 2023 reading list. It's August and we're talking about planning the end of 2023. We got gotta to plan know. our reading. Yeah, exactly. How many books is that? So how many will that be from here to the end of the, uh, the calendar year? One more, two, at least nine. That that's, that's going to be fun. Yeah, we can do it. I'm a little nervous. <laughs> You know, once the school year starts, I hound you to podcast all the time. And then the school year starts and you'll hear nothing from me for like three weeks. <laughs> Luckily, all these, none of these are like real. The only one that's new is Code Red. So we will have, well, that flexibility can, that we, we have flexibility to listen to audio. I can listen to audiobooks way faster than I can read the, the pre-releases. So, yeah, when we get the advanced reader copies in the mail, uh, when we have to just crunch for the pod, it's always audiobooks on three speed or two speed. So yeah, exactly. No exactly. crunching here. <laughs> Deadfall. It was kind of nice with the most recent Brad Thor book. I did a half and half. Yeah, me too. I, I would read the book when I had some time. Cause I always love sitting down with a physical book, but if I needed to stop or I was going on a run or washing the dishes, I just check what chapter I'm on, hop onto audible or scribed. We, we use both audible and scribe. And pick right up. So I kind of went back and forth with Deadfall and it was kind of fun because some scenes definitely worked better in audio and mm -hmm. some I was glad I was reading, particularly some of the names, because I wanted to have a visual of what the name looked like, like a foreign or Ukrainian name. So I really I kind of like that hybrid back and forth. Yeah, that's cool. All right. Well, we said we would leave you with a little little sneak peek of our one of our latest episodes on the season two. No Limits podcast. So here is a little snippet from our interview with Brad. Hope you enjoy it. Today, we welcome back a very special guest, author of this summer's blockbuster thriller, Deadfall. Welcome back to No Limits, the Scott Harvath podcast, Brad Thor. It's great to be back, you guys. Thanks for having me. Yes, welcome. Well, let me just kick it off with the question everybody's been waiting to hear from you. Barbie or Oppenheimer? <laughs> I haven't seen either. I'm actually reading the Oppenheimer book, which is 721 pages. It's very long. Uh, 
Yeah. So, you know, the one that I'm going to break cover for is Mission Impossible. So as soon as that one is out and available, then I'll rush to the theater. I do want to see Oppenheimer, but I saw something, I saw an interview with, or read an interview with Christopher Nolan recently that said, yeah, maybe I went a little bit overboard on the sound. And it kind of like my wife and my youngest saw it in uh, IMAX. And uh, Nolan was saying, yeah, there is some mumbling in the movie and you can't, hear it and i'm like ah you know maybe i want to watch it on home at home on my own big screen when it streams you know in a month or whatever right. it is going to be released so yeah i haven't seen either of those movies uh i got a great theater i love the theater with the reclining seats and i can get a beer and take it with me into the theater and that kind of stuff and get wings or pizza uh but no i have not gone out and in fact i've been you know promoting my new book I, it right. came out so I've, I've really been just kind of buried up covered up with media so <laughs> Good question. I'm sorry, I don't have a better answer for you. <laughs> no, than no that. worries. It was, it was just a joke. Neither. Just a joke. All right. What, what, what about this one? Uh, in a cage match, who would win? Elon Musk or Mark Zuckerberg? Uh, you know what? Uh, I hope it's Zuckerberg because I can't stand Elon <laughs> Musk. Uh, that I heard somebody once say that he puts the ass in Aspergers. Ah, yes. Um, you know, I'd hate to be that guy's neighbor with the damn X on top of the building and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I, I just I'm kind of tired of hearing from him. There's a handful of those really wealthy guys that just pop off about everything and. Yeah, I, I'd hate to be one of his shareholders. I'll, I'll tell you that much. And he's really driven Twitter into the ground, which is a shame because, I mean, it was never perfect, but I think he's made it worse. So I'm I'm putting my money on Zuckerberg. Plus, have you seen what shape Zuckerberg's in? Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. He's doing 4,000 calories a day to keep he's his muscle mass up. Oh, it's amazing. He's going to yeah. whoop that jackass's <laughs> ass. So I'm That's looking funny. forward to that fight. I'd go to Vegas for that. There you go. That's yeah. great. You do a little promotion while you're there. Hand out copies sure. of Deadfall. That's it. Sign books in the lobby. The whole deal. Well, Deadfall, Brad, incredible book. You know, yes. Chris and I on this podcast, we nitpick everything. We're going through <laughs> Right down books. to the cover. You oh. guys did an emergency episode <laughs> yes. where you're like, what the hell is with this cover? I listened to it. I've listened to the episodes. Yeah, you guys went after the cover, but it's I, now that you've read it, you're going to appreciate it. Too. Oh, I love the cover. Degree. I love the cover. I I got goosebumps when the scene happened with the the wing of mm -hmm. the archangel, which we had guessed that that's which statue mm -hmm. you were using. Well done. And well it was done. the troll looking out the window at the raven on the tip of the wing. Mm -hmm. I, I had goosebumps because again, oh, cool. any apprehensiveness I had about the cover. It, when that moment hit, it was just, I don't know why that warped me into the story. It was a small detail, wow. but it had layers because the raven and the ravens, uh, the yep. chaos, yet he's finding yep. peace in this kind of visual looking out the window. You killed it, Brad. I, listen, I wanted to respond to you guys, and I'm like, no, I got to hold back because yeah. I just got to let them read the book and then they'll get it, yeah. you know? So, cool. Well, I, I guess, like it. you know, just to kick it off, like what, what inspired you to write you know, a story about Ukraine. So I grew up, there's a particular writer who I loved growing up and his name was Alistair McLean. And uh, so one of my favorite books by him, and it was a great movie with a young Clint Eastwood is Where Eagles Dare. He wrote some really cool World War II stuff. He wrote some Cold War stuff like Ice Station Zebra. And, you know, I'd always loved his stuff. I love modern takes on World War II, like Saving Private Ryan, Band of Brothers, Fury with Brad Pitt. Uh, you know, right down, I even enjoyed Tremendously Monuments Men with George right. Clooney and, uh, and John Goodman. So I'd always wanted to take Harvath and put him in one of those kind of World War II stories. 
But minus, you know, Doc and the DeLorean, that wasn't going to happen because Harvath is today, not, you know, back in the 1930s, 1940s. So when Ukraine came about, I thought, okay, if this, if the Russians don't make it into uh, Kiev in the initial push, if the Ukrainians are able to hold on to Kiev, this thing could draw out for a while. And I might have some breathing room to set a book there and get it to market. So that was really the impetus behind it is that I wanted to put Harvath basically in a land war in Europe. And as I'm writing it, it looks to me like all those bombed out villages that you saw in Saving Private Ryan and right. uh, Band of Brothers and Fury. That, that was, I mean, I was, those movies were playing through my head as I was writing this book, the, the back, the, the backdrops, the settings, if you will. Yeah. Speaking of settings, something we always bring up about your books every time is how we're transported to the location. We call it our traveling heavy segment after your uh, former <laughs> life in, light, on the traveling yeah. light uh, series. The way you took us into a monastery, I felt like I was there in the countryside or a vineyard. And we're with the Vintner's family and unfortunately what happens to the children mm -hmm. or even the, the Bush telegram where we're, we're going village to village, getting these yeah, these yeah. clues and these hints and they're communicating. It felt like guerrilla warfare mixed in with – and then there were some urban scenes it almost felt like in those little towns where they're hiding behind buildings and he sets mm -hmm. the trap with the armored convoy. Yep. What was your favorite location to write? And then similarly because it goes with that, your favorite action scene that you put in the book? Boy, that's great. Uh, great question. Uh, you know, it, it's funny because the first scene where you see Harvath, chapter one, so there's the prologue with Anna Royko in the orphanage where the, um, the ravens show up. And then I had actually gone to Harvath in Poland, kind of bopping around in Warsaw. And my wife's like, no, nah, you can't go to that. She's like, you need an action scene with Harvath to start it up. And so in my notes, I had this thing about what was in the real world going on in Belarus, which is the Iranians training the Russians and how to use their drones, the Shahid drones and all that kind of stuff. So that scene I put in after the fact, because my wife's like, yeah, you need an action scene right up front here. So that's why I did that with chapter one with Harvath and he got to see his team. And a couple of the guys on Harvath's team are based on guys I know, and they get all pissy if they don't see themselves in the book. You know what I mean? So I got to I gotta take care of the boys and, and put them in. So, uh, you know, I really liked uh, there, but each scene was different. Each scene kind of scratched a different itch for me, if you will, uh, you know, played upon like Harvath goes all the way to Kiev and then he's supposed to be he goes on to Kharkiv and he's supposed to be meeting with what he thinks is a Ukrainian intelligence officer and it's right. not right. it is it is actually a Russian that is swapped in and so that whole thing in the DACA and I you know I I when the guy jumps through the window on fire, on fire that was yes. yeah that was like my Jason like Friday the 13th kind of thing that you just think it's gone and the dude just jumps through the window out of the window outside so that was fun I really liked having Harveth in the APC on the 50 cal mm, and just right. raking raking uh the target with all those rounds you know it's it's interesting because Ukraine is the first uh, I, there was stuff in Afghanistan and stuff in um, Iraq where there were video and stuff like that. But that was, that's like organized U.S. military. There's stuff that they don't want their guys doing. You know, they don't want guys feeding out live footage of sure. combat and all that kind of stuff. But Ukraine's a different story. So you see a lot of these Western guys that are joining the International Legion and their GoPros are running 
all the time. So for me as a writer, it was amazing how much stuff I got to see so that when I wanted to capture some firefights or some house to house stuff, I could actually look at video on YouTube. It was amazing and get inspiration and watch. And uh, there were a couple of things I saw where guys are like, it's here, we're, we're in the right place. They're looking at the grids on their map and they're like, yeah, this is exactly where we're supposed to be, but nothing's here. You know, so that kind of war is, you know, fog of war and things get screwed up and logistics and getting, you know, supplies around. So each one of those action scenes, I really, really enjoyed, um, you know, whether it was taking out the Ravens as they were coming by that convent. Oh, yeah. Um, the, the big scene at the end where, you know, it's kind of a bookend from the beginning with the Claymores. So you've yes. got the Claymores in the beginning in Belarus. You've got the Claymores at the end. Uh, each one right down to where the, the fake – uh, the Russians posing as Ukrainian soldiers had like a roadblock and the Harbeth had to let, yeah, the checkpoint. So all that stuff was fun to write because each one of those is something I could see happening in Band of Brothers. You right. know what I mean? Each one of those scenarios. And it's funny because when I sat down, I was like, whoa, most of this happens over 24 hours for Harvest. Yeah, the book is- It happens. Yeah. I mean, it's a really long day for him from you know having his train attacked to you know ending up uh, figuring out uh, where Anna is and, and going in there and getting her out. It's like a, it's like almost like an episode of 24, you know, in, in a sense. And I felt- Honestly, we when we were we talked about the first half of the book already, and I brought up this thing. I felt that it, you know, it, it read like Band of Brothers. It read like Saving Private Ryan. I, I could feel your inspiration in the book, and then also, you know, just putting Brad in this like new. I feel like these last three books, they while they haven't been like super connected like story wise, like they've they've been putting um not Brad putting I do that a lot Scott. putting Scott yeah. in these different places and, and seeing how he can can act. And I don't know if you can comment on like what you've been jumping around and they kind of have, I don't know, Mike, Mike, you had a better way to describe this. They they're kind of connected, but not in, you know, like a true, like one story and then the second story sense. Right. They're almost three separate stories yet. The geopolitical like landscape behind them is all interwoven. So there's this connective tissue that's not necessarily plot based, but as the reader, you feel like it's definitely all the same universe. So when you pull Scott into one from the other, that makes sense. Or you pull, the troll and what he's doing with the Carlton group and their intel, well, you're feeding off of things that came two, three books ago that are informing the situation now, how the Russians, the Chinese, or even that opening scene, how the IGRC Iranians are, you know, getting mm -hmm. the drones and trading the drones. It all feels connected, yet the last three have felt like very different stories. They're separate missions, right? So he, and the books are designed, if you want to read from the beginning, which a lot of purists do, that's totally cool. If you haven't read one of my books before and you want to start with the latest one, Deadfall, you can do that too. That's that's the whole idea here. But I'm actually searching in the real world every year for what's the, what's the real geopolitical set piece that I'm going to actually wrap my stuff around. Um, you know, so with Rising Tiger, last summer's book, uh, that was based on a real attack by China. Chinese soldiers who slipped over the border into China, in, or I'm sorry, Chinese soldiers slipped over the border into India and attacked all those Indian soldiers in the middle of the night uh, with homemade weapons, like stuff out of Walking Dead. And it lasted, that hand-to-hand -hand combat went on for six hours. It was like something out of the, the Middle Ages. So, and the year before that, with the whole Arctic thing, with Russia pushing in the Arctic and the Chinese trying to get a foothold there and all that stuff. So there's always a real geopolitical set piece that 
I'm I'm basing Harvest Mission around. So that's kind of the fun thing. You're going to get that white knuckle thrill ride. But when you close the book, you're going to actually know a little bit more about what's going on around the world just by virtue of having finished the book. I mean, these are not textbooks. This is entertainment. This is supposed to be fun. It's the faction, right? It's the yeah, faction. Yeah, yeah. yeah.